0: All the latest business news from WA, delivered daily. At Close of Business, news briefing.
1: Good afternoon and welcome to At Close of Business. This is Simone Grogan with your Monday afternoon headlines. Rio Tinto will bankroll a new legacy fund for the PKKP Aboriginal Corporation two and a half years after destroying Duke and Gorge rock shelters, but a dollar value for the initiative has not been revealed. The fund is intended to deliver social and economic programs to the traditional owners of the land, focusing on education, training and financial independence through business development. Rio Tinto shattered relations with Aboriginal groups and faced intense backlash after blowing up the and Gorge rock shelters two years ago. The company has since been working to rebuild its relationship with traditional owners in the Pilbara. PKKP Chair Birchall Hayes said there had been a conscious decision to work with Rio Tinto to create something enduringly positive despite the continuing pain and loss he said had been suffered. The group has not chosen to provide any financial details of the initiatives. And state-owned water corporation has made a major strategic shift after striking a deal to buy one of Western Australia's largest wind farm projects. The state government announced over the weekend that Watercorp had agreed to buy the development rights for the Flat Rocks wind farm Stage 2, near Codgenup from private company Mooneys Hill Energy. Expected to cost more than $200 million to develop, the wind farm will generate up to 100 megawatts of electricity, with the potential to upgrade capacity to 150 megawatts. Water Minister Dave Kelly said the new project would allow Watercorp to stop buying electricity from the privately owned Blue Waters power station at Collie. Watercorp is one of the biggest electricity consumers in the southwest, reflecting the large amount of energy it uses running desalination plants. It buys more than 40% of its power from blue waters, but has also struck deals to buy 65 megawatts per year of renewable energy from the Mumbida wind farm and the Greenough River solar farm, which are majority privately owned. Its decision to build and operate its own renewable energy asset marks a change in strategy. A spokesperson for the water minister declined to provide the purchase price, saying it was commercial in confidence or the likely development cost. However, they said the deal had been ticked off by the Treasury Department. And in other news, retail sales were flat in WA in October, indicating consumers may have tightened their wallets in response to rising interest rates. About $3.9 billion went through the state's tills in the month, barely changed from spending in September, according to the Australian Bureau of Statistics. At that level, WA retail sales were up 7.7% on October 2021, barely ahead of the 6% inflation rate in Perth. With spending effectively flat, WA was still the best performing state nationally, tied with South Australia. Nationally, retail sales fell 0.2% month-on-month, but were still 12.5% higher than in October 2021. And coming up next, senior journalist Matt McKenzie talks about his work covering firm construction's slide into administration, detailing what it means for subcontractors and the state government.
2: The business world is teeming with opportunities to succeed, and every day is a chance for the ambitious to learn, know and grow. Over recent years, we have built the greatest business journalist team in WA, delivering you the most trusted, comprehensive, intelligent, and up-to-date news across every sector, every platform, every day. No fluff, all informative stuff. At Business News, we believe progress boils down to one simple habit. That is, what you subscribe to today shapes what you will become tomorrow. Subscribe to success, subscribe to Business News. Visit businessnews.com.au forward slash subscribe for more information.
0: Welcome back to At close of business. I'm Jordan Murray. Today, joined by senior journalist Matt McKenzie. Matt, how are you on this fine Monday afternoon?
2: Oh, it's beautiful outside, isn't it?
0: It is. Uh, just before the dog days of summer hit us, when it'll be 40 plus degrees, and we won't even be able to go outside because we'll start sweating through our dress shirts.
2: Well, in fact, so I feel like I should be saying saddened to be here with you instead of being out, you know, in the sun, in the sun, in a park.
0: In the park or on the beach, wherever you like to go on a warm day. Matt, you've been following the collapse of Firm Construction for quite a few weeks now. Uh, For listeners and readers unaware, though, can you just detail what the company does and perhaps the significance of the news last week that it was going into administration?
2: Firm Construction in 2020 had about $100 million almost of revenue, uh, probably maybe even a bit more than that in previous years. And listeners would be familiar with names like Jackson, Pindan, WBHO infrastructure and probuild in terms of construction businesses that have run into a bit of trouble over the past couple of years now firm had worked on some interesting historical projects like for example at the Bellevue rail car assembly facility in near midland and that one's been completed But there were a couple that it had been working on, or more than a couple that it had been working on in the past year or so. So there was the Bayswater Station redevelopment, which was a Metronet project where it was a subcontractor. There were a series of schools, a bit of work at a TAFE, um, and a fair few apartment projects. And uh, what we reported over the course of the week was that um, those apartment developers, and and this is something that we'd been... uh, we've been looking at for a little while. There'd been a couple of, well, there'd been two apartment developers that had uh, taken um, where, who had stepped in on firm construction projects because there'd been some quite serious and significant delays. I mean, in one case, I think the delay was well more than a year. Uh, So the developers have have stepped in in those cases. And then uh, quite publicly, the, 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 the news item that was first public was the school, the Wellard School, primary school, Wellard Village Primary School, where the state government stepped in and uh, it's now brought in a different contractor to, to finish that project so it can get up for the school term next year. And then, of course, the Metronet station, the uh, the company was uh, a subcontractor on that. I think the contract was about $30 million, working with Coleman Rail and the Evolved Bayswater Alliance, uh, doing the station redevelopment there. And famously, part of that project, not the part that they were working on, but famously part of that project is the, is the new rail bridge because... We know that's a Perth icon for all the wrong reasons, that rail bridge there, but so that's what that was all about and and also the government stepped in and uh, uh, Common Rail stepped in and uh, firm are not working on tho- that project anymore either. So we're in a question, we don't know which of these government contracts that it still has and there's about five of them that it will continue to work on. Uh, there are a couple of apartment developments where I'm not quite sure, it's not quite clear what's happening next, but ultimately the company went into administration at the end of last week and obviously it's a Devastating time for everybody if you're a a subcontractor or a creditor, if you're the owner of the company. You know, no one who owns a business wants to see it fail, that's for sure. Um, And you can imagine if you've been involved in a business for 20 years, either as an employee or an owner or whatever else, it'd just be so uh, painful and difficult to go through this process. And then, as I say, the creditors, the subcontractors, Um, you know, people who were waiting for these apartments to be able to move into. So it's a very tough time for everybody, but it reflects the environment that we've had in terms of high pressure in construction, Jordan.
0: Indeed, it does. Now, on Tuesday, you wrote that firm had been removed from five projects. Uh, in that article, you noted a credit report which contained details of some of the company's financial woes. Uh, what was significant about that report?
2: Well, it just showed that there had been some creditors that had either lodged default notices or had lodged legal disputes um, claiming that they had money owed. Uh, and in that case, I think the total between the, between the default notices and the, and the legal disputes was about 600,000. Now, it's worth noting that that credit, credit report that I cited was from uh, maybe two or three weeks ago now. Uh, even in that report at that time, uh, I, I can tell you that some of those companies have been paid back, or, or I should say not all of the, that money is still outstanding but I also know that not all of it had been paid. I think it just gives a bit of a flavour as to, in the lead-up to this administration, it was just an example that there was a a fair bit of pressure there that was building because there were a lot of uh, these creditors that were um, stepping in and making these sorts of requests. And I think I read somewhere else that there'd been some creditors who'd put liens and some assets and things. Uh, So that was just a bit of a uh, a marker that portended where things might end up going. Now, as it was playing out last week, and I, I said this on 6PR uh, you know, there could have been a number of ways that it could have played out. You could have had another company that could have done an equity injection or could have bought it. Um, you know, the owners might have found some capital somewhere. You know, a bank might have been able to lend more money. And obviously, as it happens, that's not how things actually played out. And in the end, RSM stepped in to restructure the company. And of course, the owners will be hoping and everyone involved will be hoping that the company can, uh, can be restructured in a way that makes it, uh, that enables it to keep going. If you think about the example of ProBuild and WBHO infrastructure, and and that was was Deloitte, I think. Wow. Like, the thing about a construction contract is uh, you need to keep the ball rolling, and that was the case with WBHO infrastructure. They had to... the, The administrators had to make sure that, you know, you've got to keep the subcontractors on. You've got to keep them involved. You've got to make sure that they actually believe that they're going to get paid for the work. You need to keep things flowing on site and working on site You've got to keep the ball spinning because if it stops spinning, everything starts to fall apart and becomes much more difficult. So this is the task ahead of an administrator if they are trying to, in their restructuring, if they are going to try to keep the company sort of operating and, and work its way through, it's going to be a heck of an effort. Now administrators are personally, I think, liable for any contracts that they sign on to, um, so they're going to have to have a, they're going to have to be juggling balls. We don't know what's going to happen yet with those government contracts that have not been the ones where we don't know the outcome, we don't know the outcome. Uh, and so but presumably the administrator will be working with the government to try to keep those contracts because that will mean a source of revenue for the company and that will mean a way to repay creditors. Uh, but that is, of course, only useful if those contracts are actually going to be economically viable, financially viable contracts. And if it's the case that all of those contracts are underwater as well, um, that would be a problem.
0: And I do want to ask about some of those government contracts, but before I do that, I want to just talk about a discussion you had on Thursday with the director of Firm. Uh, that was as the company went into administration, in fact. What did he have to say to you?
2: Uh, well, I should be clear that it wasn't a discussion, but he did send me a statement, um, which was uh, uh, appreciated because I think it gives people, or shines a bit of light for people on exactly what was going on behind the scenes. And we hadn't heard much from a Firm during the week. Um So Marco Gorman uh, said basically that the business had been doing everything it could to overcome financial challenges. And I think that just gets to the point that this is a painful process. It's a painful thing for everybody involved. And he said, um, you know, COVID-19, supply chain issues, labour shortages and material price rises had uh, put the operations under pressure. The other thing he said was, uh, well, he talked about cost esca- cost es- escalation. Well, the other thing he said was that five of the projects awarded by the state government did not qualify for any financial relief for their cost escalations, which goes into a, a broader point about um, reform in how the government sort of deals with cost escalations in contracts. And I think the Master Builders Association has, has made some proposals around, around that. So, um, there was a reform package. I think Claire Till wrote about it a, a week or two ago. So it's an ongoing problem. Uh, and just to give you a, a broader idea, I mean, there have been quite a few companies that have talked about this issue with the supply chain pressures, with the cost escalation, with the difficulty of finding workers. And and for, for, for listeners, I mean, it's like you've got a construction site. If you can't find a worker, right, then, or you can't find sufficient workers for the site, then not only is that, frustrating, but then if you can't get the person to pour the concrete, for example, then the person you might already have who's um, ready to go on site for whatever the next stage of the building is, um, you're paying him to sit around or her to sit around and do not very much because uh, the project isn't yet at the stage where you can use that next person. And so then you sort of get a snowballing effect. And as things get delayed, often builders get charged or they get um, there are penalties for, for the project being delayed. It might be the case that you can't get, you know, uh, if you can't get the bricks on site, then all your brickies are (laughs) are going to be standing around you not being able to do much. It delays the project, so your costs are going up and the project is being delayed. And then even if you're not paying a penalty, you're still not getting the revenue because if you can't build it, you're not able to get the revenue. So um, uh, and often in the case, for example, of a home building, you get your payments um, at different stages of completion. And if it takes a long time to get from stage to stage, well that creates a a cash flow issue. And so that's the type of thing that's being experienced throughout the construction industry. And it just goes to show, I think it's just worth reflecting that um, a lot of stimulus was pumped into construction, uh, infrastructure and home building during the pandemic. And, uh, you know, we can totally understand why that was done. Entirely reasonable because we were quite worried as a society about economic collapse, to be honest with you. So entirely fair. But I think perhaps um, mistakes were made in terms of continuing to pump in cash, Um, and perhaps mistakes were made. Uh, Now, I'm not going to go into any specific contractors, but I think probably there have been a few out there, and we know there's been a lot of home builders as well that have been into trouble. There have probably been a few that bought up, or should I say, that signed on a lot of contracts um, and then found themselves in a position where um, all of them were kind of underwater or under pressure because there was so much demand in the market. So... You know, the state government's taken action in terms of project bank accounts. It's moving out its pipeline a bit, but um, it's a very difficult time for contractors in the construction industry, Jordan.
0: And of course, the state government now has to step in and do something about those jobs which firm construction was contracted to do. Now, my understanding is the Department of Finance has stepped in, but what sort of implication does this have for
2: state government projects? So uh, the finance stepped in for uh, particularly the Wellard Village Primary School, uh, and in the end they appointed McCorkle Constructions, and we revealed that, I think, on Thursday, that, that McCorkle had been uh, picked to finish off that job. Uh, now, basically, the department was working there to well, – well, one of the restrictions on the contract was that well, – I shouldn't say restrictions, but one of the um, key points in the contract was that McCorkle should retain as many subcontractors as possible from Firm. We also know that um, people from the Department of Finance were stepping in and helping Firm make page payments through project bank accounts to different subcontractors at projects. Uh, we don't know yet what will happen at those other primary schools. I think that other schools, the names that come to mind, I think there's one in Ocean Reef, there's Lakelands, I think there's one up in Kelamunda. Um, it's unclear yet what the government will decide to do with those projects. And they may have some value for FIRM in terms of having an order book going forward. So it may well be that FIRM wants to keep working on them uh, and possibly can do now from a position of of being in administration. Uh, From the government's perspective, obviously, you want to get these schools done in time for whenever the students need to start being in there. And I should clarify that these are not necessarily all full school builds. Some of them are, you know, like building a a particular... um, not like a science lab or whatever but building a particular department in a school so the schools will still be functional. So it's it's yet to be seen how the rest of that will play out, Jordan.
0: To read more on firm construction, you can head online now to businessnews.com.au where Matt McKenzie's articles are in the most read section or or you can stay tuned for more coverage of not only the construction sector but economics and energy policy by Matt McKenzie. In the meantime, Matt, look forward to talking on Friday. Thank you so much. The latest business news, delivered daily. Subscribe and rate the show wherever you listen to your podcasts. For all the latest business news, visit businessnews.com.au.